Hello, I'm Chris Short, editor of DevOpsish. Every week, I read hundreds of articles, blogs, papers, and stories that end up generating a newsletter. But after two years of writing this newsletter about DevOps, cloud native, and open source technologies, there ends up being a lot of stories left on the cutting room floor every week. DevOpsish Deep Cuts is a podcast that looks at news behind the news, things that were significant but didn't make the newsletter for one reason or another. Prepare to embrace people, process, and tools in your ear holes. This week, I go over notes from DevOpsish 135, talking about DevOpsish Deep Cuts podcast, burnout, on-call, Cloudflare, Fustercluck, multi-cloud mess, and more. Uh, I'm coming to you from a hotel room next to some train tracks in Durham. So if you're a train, I'm sorry. Uh, also, I apologize for how cranky I'll be tomorrow because of whatever night's sleep I get tonight. First article this week, how Amazon on the cops set up an elaborate sting operation that accomplished nothing. A city of whatever, let's go set up some ring cameras everywhere and catch all the, you know, package stealers from porches. Uh, yeah, they caught nobody. Amazon didn't catch a single person with this elaborate plan. And shocker, when you install cameras, people don't commit crimes there. They go other places. Huh. Who knew? Um... Next up, what happens when we hit the URL in a browser from Free Code Camp? Goes over the basics of all the fun things that happen from HTTP headers, DNS requests, the whole nine yards. Next article is Chaos Engineering and Monitoring Part 1 from Senzu, talking about uh, some work they've done with Gremlin. Pretty cool article. Check it out. Uh, if you're interested in monitoring or chaos engineering, it doesn't have to necessarily be Senzu or Gremlin. Give it a read. Next one, how to get started with threat modeling before you get hacked. It's a novel idea, right? Like thinking from, oh shit, we've been hacked backwards to the point where you're sitting there right now saying, I'm not really worried about security right now. Huh, I should be more worried about security. You should give it a read. <laughs> Next up, uh, open PGP certificate flooding. This article is from LWN. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, SQS servers make up a public key share backbone for PGP certificates. Um, so what ends up happening is you create a PGP key pair, right? Like you have your private key, which is yours. And then you have your public key, which is what people use to sign things and deliver it to you. Um, so you upload your public key to the server so people from anywhere can send you uh, encrypted messaging. Uh, problem is when these servers are either A, unavailable, or B, just so getting chucked full of so much data, they're not reachable. Um, it's really hard to verify, you know, communications from people unless you've already verified it in the past. So there's going to be this tipping point of these servers are either going to need to go behind some kind of DDoS protection, which really wasn't built into, you know, the protocol, or it's going to have to have some sort of replacement come about, which would be an interesting advancement in PGP, I think. Um, we'll see what happens, but it's a problem. Next up, uh, Caroline Criado, Caroline Criado Perez explains the gender data gap. Uh, from this point forward on the podcast, you should consider all names as mispronounced by me. Uh, unless someone tells me their name, I'm going to mispronounce it. it could be a very simple name. I will somehow mess it up. Um, Wired Magazine is talking about, well, it's an article in Wired Magazine talking about a book from Caroline, 
talking about data that she's kind of scoured across from various data sets to find that like the whole world has kind of been unthought into one gender and how that's not necessarily a good thing for everyone. Check it out, give it a read. Talks about a book. If you're interested in you know getting more data about this, check out the book. Uh, next one, it's from Tech Republic, but it covers a Gartner report talking about on-premises is the new legacy in databases. Obviously, if your database is on-prem, there's probably a good reason. Um, but is that good reason, well, it's always been on-prem, or well, XYZ, and is that still a good reason? Gartner's kind of going to make the industry challenge that <clears throat> line of thinking and having that database on-prem you know, for X, Y, Z reason, you can encrypt data in the cloud. You can make secure cloud systems. You know, I mean, DOD's got Amazon and Microsoft bidding for, you know, a massive $10 billion contract right now to build them massive clouds. So it's totally possible. Next up, Fortune 100 passwords, email archives, and corporate secrets left exposed on unsecured Amazon S3 server. That's the headline. Obviously, it's an S3 bucket, but hey, shock. Uh, you leave public data on, or private data on a public bucket, it's going to get exposed. Hmm, who knew? Uh, next up, automating chaos experiments in production. It's from the morning paper. If you like papers, check it out. I don't, but some people do, so I share them. Um, I mean, yes, papers are great, but I don't typically read them because... Uh, I'm busy reading all these other things. Uh, so yeah, next article from HBR. If you're so successful, why are you still working 70 hours a week? That's an interesting measure of success in general. Uh, but the HBR article goes into numerous topics. But in my opinion, the measure of success and number of hours worked is a bad scale, right? So if we have input is X and output is Y, and someone else can do the exact same thing in half the time, obviously that person doing it in half the time is technically doing it more efficiently, but is it really better? Who knows, right? So success is subjective. Nowadays, one area I think being successful is so hard, uh, you have to kind of have some extra effort and go the extra mile because guess what? A lot of us are. Next article. Why we're ending support for MySQL and GitLab 12.1 goes into a lot of the, the hoops that GitLab had to jump through to keep support for MySQL. It goes into you know the reasons why it doesn't make sense to continuing it. But in my opinion, this is what happens when you say, hey, MySQL is going to change vastly, and now you're going to have all these different you know things. Oh, look, there's this perfectly viable alternative over here in Postgres. And here you go. Uh, yeah. I think at least, you know, obviously hearts and minds wise, MySQL is kind of the out database. Um, Postgres is the end database. Um, yeah, sorry, MySQL world. Damn the luck. All right, next up. It's a talk from QCon New York from Ryan Kitchens at Netflix. How did things go right? Learning more from incidents at Netflix. Cool talk. Give it a look. Uh, after that, we have an article from my friends at Crunchy Data, how the CAS benchmark for Postgres 11 works. It goes over the Postgres 11 CAS benchmark. If you're listening to this and you're like, what is the CAS benchmark? You need to Google it 
because there is literally a CAS benchmark for everything. There's one for your iPhone. There's one for your Android phone. There's one for Kubernetes. There's one for uh, what is, what is exchange servers. There's one for everything. So be familiar with CIS benchmarks. If you're working on a tool that has a CIS benchmark, you should be very intimately familiar with it because guess what? It's probably going to be the minimum viable standard if you're in like a compliant org or an organization that actually gives a damn about security. So check them out. Next up is an article from the Register. The headline is not mine. I just read the headlines on this podcast. Don't tell Allison Bob. Security maven Bruce Schneier is leaving IBM. Um, it's going to go take on, you know, more active role in you know, con- his company, his own company, and, you know, spend more time with family. Bruce isn't, you know, some spring chicken. He's been doing this a long time. He can do whatever he wants. He's made... Uh, the United States and I think the world in general more aware of information security and cybersecurity issues, as well as just in general being smarter about data and how we expose ourselves. So, you know, Bruce can do what he wants as far as I'm concerned. He's done an amazing job at IBM. Next up, another article from HBR Why having a target salary in mind can derail a job negotiation? More salary negotiation advice, take this into account um, with all the other salary negotiation advice you've ever received. Next article, six open source web browser alternatives from my friends at opensource.com. This article like finally made me like download Brave and actually you know, sync it up with all the extensions I wanted and get it just how I wanted in relation to Chrome and like close Chrome and start using Brave this week. So like... If you hear this podcast next week and I'm back on Chrome, eh, it didn't go too well. So if you've made that switch from Chrome to Brave, reach out to me. Let me know some pitfalls and uh, I'll be forever appreciative. But this article is cool because, let's face it, Chrome is kind of a privacy nightmare. And we all should probably be looking at alternative options. 27 Jan 2011, the day Proc died. There's a cool blog post talking about... uh, Solaris servers dying on somebody one day. Pretty cool. Check it out. <laughs> Next article is from Cloud Security. Uh, how to never have a public S3 bucket. I think there's two uh, companies in this uh, newsletter podcast that should talk. Next up, the ideal DevOps team structure from SD Times. Obviously, team structures are ideal, and ideal is subjective, so your mileage may vary. Next article, UK ISP group names Mozilla Internet Villain for supporting DNS over HTTPS. If you're not familiar with DNS over HTTPS, okay, great. You create essentially an HTTPS connection, and that becomes a tunnel for DNS traffic. Um, it's pretty much, you know, premise technology that the government has been using for a long time for its secure operations. Um, make the most secure thing and then put the unsecure thing inside it. Uh, that's kind of the modus operandi uh, for a lot of secure communication processes nowadays. Um, like look at VPNs, for example. The, the idea of blocking DNS over HTTPS or you know, if you support it, you're some kind of villain. You know, like this isn't Tor. This is this is privacy. This is not. It, it's not just privacy, right? Like it's security. If you know 
if you're an attacker or you're you know trying to commit corporate espionage and you know that most of Apple's HQ traffic goes through this one ISP or this one DNS provider or this one XYZ, all you have to do is hack them and figure out they're working on these things based off the traffic they're sending out from all the DNS traffic. Well, okay, great. What would be a great way to like prevent that kind of hack from ever happening? Because guess what? That would be like a nation state level hack and that'd be a lot of data that was captured. So let's get DNS data, essentially the metadata of the internet, um, kind of wrapped up in some more secure layers here so that everybody can benefit from an improved security environment. Whatever, the UK has some weird laws around internet access. Yeah, good luck with that, UK. Sorry, y'all. Next up, China is forcing tourists to install text-stealing malware at its border. Again, I don't think this is appropriate behavior by China. However, uh, China is its own sovereign nation. It has its own laws, and you are a guest in its country. If you are visiting there, you are there at their uh, leisure, at their convenience, um, not yours. So you kind of have to play the game. You can protest. You can do what Vice did and write a story about it because we have those rights here. Sadly, they don't in China. So when we have when we visit there, we play by China's laws, just like when Chinese people visit here, they play by U.S. laws. Um, that's just kind of how this goes right now. There's going to be a balance at some point between China and you know Western society. It'll be interesting to see where that falls. Next up, one of the year's biggest M&A deals was tipped in hiring data. This is talking about, uh, I believe it was Broadcom trying to acquire Symantec. Uh, yes. So yeah, <laughs> apparently um, Symantec job postings dipped enough that like someone noticed. And hey, when you start going down rabbit holes, <laughs> look what happens. You can discover that hey, two companies might be looking to you know merge. Um, yeah, uh, when you look at some of the stories behind the IBM acquisition of Red Hat, it happened very quickly with a very small team to prevent stuff like this from happening. Um, it's, I mean, I don't know if that was the actual reason, but it makes total sense. And I get it. It's a $34 billion deal. And a lot had to come together to do it, but it wasn't that many people and it didn't take that long. So this is why IBM did it, I think. <laughs> well, did it the way they did it, I should say. Next up, sysadmins, what's your favorite snack when you're on call? It's a, it's a poll from opensource.com. That's it for this week's DevOps Fish Deep Cuts. Really appreciate you joining me for the podcast. Check out devopsers.com for show notes. Be sure to join the DevOpsers Telegram group to go deeper into all subjects, DevOpsish, it's DevOpsish all lowercase. And always subscribe to the newsletter, devopsers.com slash subscribe. Remember, y'all, no one wants to do DevOps, but they all want DevOps outcomes.